We are back again. We are in the 60s now for episodes. That feels like a lot. I thought you were saying the 60s, like the year. And I was like, what? Do we time travel? Are it's you dressed up to record? 69. Sabrina and Corinne have time traveled. That would be awesome. I wish. We wish. But instead, it is 2018. And this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And that is Sabrina. We have to announce our live show. We finally have a link for it. You guys can buy tickets to come. And they're selling out pretty quickly. So if you're in Los Angeles on January 13th, get your tickets ASAP. Yeah, this is really exciting for us because we're at the Hollywood Improv. It's just us. So it's like eight, two girls, one ghost live show. You come and Mm -hmm. it's only us. And then when we're done you leave <laughs> so there's no one else <laughs> maybe if you buy a vip ticket you hang out with us afterwards yep that's true and tickets are really affordable so okay just so, so everyone knows we will have the link is on all of our social media we've posted it multiple times it's also in the link of our instagram and we're adding it to our website and tickets for general admission are $25, and you can get dinner before if you want, or you can go to dinner around the area. It's Hollywood, so there's tons of cool places. Mm-hmm. And then a VIP ticket is $50, and it includes a meet and greet with us after the show. You can hang with us. How fun. If you buy tickets and you want to enter into a little raffle, we're going to make a gift for one of the people who come so to enter just email us a screenshot or photo of your tickets and just Mm -hmm. in the subject line say something about live show ticket and we will uh, put you into the raffle and then you'll get a little gift from us yes so send that to us we are our ghost will hand deliver it to you when you least expect it maybe when you're in the bathroom our ghost will scare you and if there's ever a show that you're going to go to of ours this is the one to go to because it's our first one so depending on how well it does if it does well we will be able to go on to other cities if it does not go well meaning there's not a good turnout we will not move on to other cities. But don't say that, Corinne. But that's kind of the way it goes. So I'm being realistic. So I'm saying bring your friends, bring your roommates, tell everyone, bring the crowd. Well, I'm being positive. I believe in us and we are going to take over the world with our ghosts. Who runs the world? Ghouls. Ghouls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of our live show. So th- this is the first one that's just us. But if you are a Patreon donor... Go check out the Patreon page because I just posted our live show that we did at the Outlier Podcast Festival and you can listen to it now and uh, let us know what you think. Oh, also for our Patreon in October, we said that we would donate 13% to two different rescues or organizations, nonprofits that we care about. Black Cat Rescue and the Old Dog Haven were the two nonprofits we Decided to give two because Corinne obviously loves her old dogs and (laughs) I just love my kitties. And we are donating $123.20 to each organization because of all your donations this past month. That's way more than zero. So good job, everyone. (laughs) And we'll do more of these in the future. We obviously care so much about these organizations and want to help save 
pets because remember trust your pets trust your pets and also this was the most amount of donations we've had on patreon out of any month so we're happy to have more people if it means we can donate to Mm -hmm. some of these causes that are important to us yes we appreciate you guys very much our patreon donors all of our phantoms we hold very dear to our hearts oh my god i wish you could see leia's face right now can you see her Oh, she looks so, like, bougie, you know? She kind of looks like she doesn't give a shit and that she has a lot of money. (laughs) I spoil her. I gave her canned food before this, so she is super spoiled. I gave myself probably too much food over the past many months and years of my life. And something (laughs) happened to me that I didn't think would happen for until I was reaching old age, but it happened to me. And it was shocking when it did. What? My body made a very loud noise internally that I did not feel. And the noise was so loud that it scared me. (laughs) So I scared myself. And then I was like, am I alone in this house? Where did that noise come from? And then I was like, oh, it had to have been from my body because it was right here next to me. Are you hungry? You know what? No, I'm definitely not. I had a whole (laughs) burrito (laughs) right before it. Well, then it's just your... Based on my Halloween costume, I learned all about the small intestine <laughs> and the large intestine and how food is digested. And I right. think it's you just normally feel your body it. processing. You feel it. That's I my concern is that I, I felt nothing. If someone else had been next to me, I would have thought that it was them. <laughs> but if you think about it, Corinne, your body is constantly doing unbelievable stuff like replicating cells and things happening and colliding inside your body at all times and you don't yeah feel and that? choosing to forget basic english words so that i can put in other useless information <laughs> i swear i wake up dumber and dumber every single day you know what it's part of growing up you know what i can't get past <laughs> this what? is gonna ruin life for everyone <laughs> every time you move every time you touch anything anytime you do anything skin cells are flying off of your body. Mm-hmm. So when people prepare your food and they're not wearing gloves, if you go to your friend's house and they get out some cheese, they grab some crackers, put it on a plate, they are serving up their dead skin cells and you are eating it. Every time you talk, germs fall out of your mouth or out of your nose onto whatever you're doing. Hair flakes out of your head. We are freaking people out, I'm Your sure. mattress gets heavier over time because of your sweat <laughs> and disgusting bodies sleeping on them all day you're gross we're all gross what doesn't kill you makes you stronger that's my my belief have you ever seen someone go to the bathroom and then leave without washing their hands because i feel like i see that too often for my all liking. the time well there's a statistic that something like 90 percent of the world washes their hands incorrectly so there's probably pee on your hands and there's definitely crap on your phone that's a fact. Oh, 100%. And probably on your toothbrush if it's anywhere near your toilet. I was going to say, you're when you flush keep your toilet in your cabinet or somewhere. Mm-hmm. But then the moisture stays on the toothbrush and then the bacteria builds up. We cannot win. If only I were as smart and as bougie and regal as Leia. I just have to tell you the story. So in high school, I used to have parties in my basement. And that's where we kept our cat's litter boxes. But our basement was partially finished though we didn't have a bathroom down there and all of my guy friends took to peeing in my cat's litter boxes are you kidding they wouldn't walk the 14 steps to the first floor of our house to go to the bathroom and they would pee in my cat's litter boxes so so disgusting you would have to pick that up it gets worse the next morning i'd go down to my basement to clean up 
and the litter boxes would be filled with pee like it just like every guy peed in there oh it probably reeked too like during the party disgusting it was disgusting. My mom always says like, and I would always make them, my guy friends come over. I'd be like, you're cleaning this up. I'm not touching this. You yeah, I'm um, R-E-S-P-C-T, bitch. Mm-hmm. Good times. I thought cats were gross, but human boys, they're worse. <laughs> <laughs> Humans are pretty gross. Pretty nasty. We really pretty are. nasty. Now that we've sufficiently not talked about ghosts, but just talked about like scary germs in the world, should we talk about ghosts? I think we should. This week, we are doing haunted lighthouses. Uh-huh. Those beautiful it's, structures. Yes. The edge of sea. You dream about visiting one. You get a postcard and you're like, oh, if only I could see that shit in real life. Mm-hmm. That beacon of hope for sailors lost at sea. Or- but what you don't think about are the mindsets and lives of those who tend to the lighthouses in isolation away from all civilization mm-hmm. on cold, damp, stormy rocks. Yep. With a blare and a light that goes off every however many seconds. Yeah, the foghorn. Driven the madness. I wouldn't survive. So, it's like Shutter Island. It is. And it's, yeah, there are a bunch. There's actually, I feel like lighthouses are kind of in a lot of scary movies. It's a thing. Because they're like so gorgeous, but they have this eerie look to them. And everyone knows the story of all, I mean, all the sailors who looked for the lighthouse and then couldn't find it. Or like the right. women who had light that flashed out to the sea and they would wait for their husbands the to return. Walk. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that you mentioned Shutter Island instead of Harry Potter. Are you disappointed in yourself? I, I need to... I think I'm done. I'm resigning. I'm ha- hanging up my mic. <laughs> Are we finding out that I'm actually the Harry Potter <laughs> fan? Is this the switch? Is this the surprise and all of it? My plan has worked. <laughs> <laughs> Next right, it will be done. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> all right. You're first this week. I am. Okay. I chose to do the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse, a.k.a. Terrible Tilly. Terrible Tilly. Tillamook, uh-huh. like the cheese? Yeah, I think it's the same area because it's Oregon. Okay. Tillamook, Oregon. But I didn't <laughs> look into the cheese. Tested me on my cheese trivia, Sabrina. I wonder if actually, let me look. Is there a lighthouse on the Tillamook cheese? I feel like no, but maybe. I could be wrong. Oh, it's just a ship? It's a ship that wants to go to the lighthouse. Or maybe we'll crash into the lighthouse. I don't know. This is not a beacon of hope, let me tell you. Okay, this was actually recommended to us from jen one of our listeners her and her son xander are some of our biggest fans love them okay so one mile off the coast of tillamook head a rock rises from the depths of the ocean it's the place where the old nor'easters go to die a place that native americans feared and a place upon which stands a lighthouse supposed to be a beacon of hope to sailors amongst this monstrous sea but this lighthouse is actually um it brings about impending doom Yay! <laughs> Terrible Tilly is a deactivated lighthouse on the Oregon coast in the U.S. It's situated in the Pacific Ocean on less than an acre of basalt rock over a mile away from shore. It was commissioned in 1878 by the U.S. Congress and construction began in 1880. But from the very beginning, before even any of the construction began, Terrible Tilly was a place of death and all of the locals knew about it. So there were all, it had like this infamous reputation there were stories that were passed 
between families and the Native Americans to the locals, and the Native Americans believed that the rock was cursed by their gods, haunted by evil spirits, and they believed that there were these tunnels within the rock that were inhabited by spirits. I've just got to say, yeah. I feel like we need to trust when the Native Americans tell us something because yeah. they're rarely wrong. Yep. They know what they're talking about. They well, know what they're talking about. They also believe that it was like um, these tunnels were a connection from the other side into this world so that spirits could travel through these tunnels through the rock into our world. And it reminds me of... um. Do you remember, did you ever watch the live action Scooby-Doo movies and the one where they, they're at the island and there are all these souls in that big pit? Is it, uh, not Skull Island, that's totally like some gorilla movie or whatever. <laughs> it's, I think it was like the second one. Oh my god, I know exactly what you're talking about and also the woman who played Velma went to LMU just like we did Heck, and she was in the yes. theater department. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's something island. Yeah, but it reminds me of that, like all the spirits kind of coming out of the rock caves and possessing people. So cool. Very I mean, cool, not, very not scary. Not it's real and happens <laughs> to you. But in the movie, the visuals, that yes. stuff is cool. When it's not real and it's not actually happening to a real person, it's happening on screen to a fake when it's just Hollywood person. Yeah, that's fun. But alas... The Native Americans and all of the locals are like, let's stay very far away from that rock. That is a bad rock. Bad rock. Bad rock. You did so bad. Bad rock. Bad rock. What are you going to do when I come for you? But we're humans and we think we could do whatever we want. And so they wanted to build a lighthouse and then they did. That's kind of a nice intention though. Like while you're warned against it, it's like, okay, well... Do we believe all this talk about evil and spirits and stuff we can't prove? Or do we build a lighthouse to try to save people, real people, that are out on ships at sea? You know? I would say it has good intentions, but then it didn't didn't save people. So this is why we need to be able to read the future. Ooh, look at this light ray on my face. Isn't it cool? Ooh. Okay two years old uh so in 1879 right it was still before construction was uh started there was a man he was the third man to go out to the rock to survey the land his name was john trewavas and he was commissioned to go survey the rock and so he and a team set off to do that and when he was traveling out towards the rock the waters got really choppy and the waves were wild it kind of became stormy And when he was trying to attempt to land on the rock, a massive wave crashed onto the boat, dragging his body into the tumultuous Mm. sea, and his body was never recovered. That's a horrible nightmare. And it can happen so quick. And like, what are you going to do? The ocean is so much stronger than you. You will not win. No. If you won, it's because you're lucky. I'm shocked that he was the only one on his ship that was taken by the wave. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wild too. Um, but yeah, so his body was never found. And after this, stories began to spread around and the locals were like, okay, the curse is real. We are not working on this rock. Because like, for the most part, construction was going to be like the construction workers were going to be locals in the town. But mm-hmm. they were all like, nope, I'm not. I turned down this job. I would rather be starving than do this job. Wow, and so they had to. Something. 
they had to find a crew from like out of town and when they brought them through they had to sequester them off from the locals so that the locals couldn't tell them stories about the rock they basically secluded them so that they could so they could have someone actually construct this lighthouse this is so like cue the movie where all the teenage (laughs) kids roll up in a car and all the locals like don't tell them what's going on and then right they go to the cabin because no one told them. Mm-hmm. Or I just imagine like a bus or like, I don't know, this is the 80s, whatever car vehicle that they're in. There's like the windows are tightly shut. They aren't allowed to look out. The locals are trying to scream things at them, but they can't hear anything. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they're taken right to the rock. Right to the rock. So they then go to construct and build this lighthouse. And it took over 500 days. And it was like every day a wave would knock out something that they had done. So they had to keep rebuilding, rebuilding. They'd have to bring in stronger infrastructure. And even there was like, there were times that the waves would rip out um, infrastructure that was three feet into the rock. That's how strong these waves were. Damn. And they were like, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's keep building here. Right. Then it's kind of like, okay, don't ever expect anyone to actually live on this land. Right. Well. Or have to tend to the light. Yeah, and in early January of 1881, so weeks before it was set to open, a ship called the Lupiata, Lupiata. I can't help you with this because I can't see the word. (laughs) I'm going to say the Lupita. A ship called the Lupita was sailing along the coast, and the night sea was covered in a very, very thick fog. The winds were extremely unfriendly for sailing conditions, and the ship unbeknownst to the captain had drifted very close to the shore and all of a sudden the ship real or the captain realized what was happening and so he wakes his crew he like there's a mass panic happening everyone's screaming and the men who were staying on the tillamook rock woke to the screams they saw the ship heading straight for them Mm -hmm. and they ran up the tower up to the very top of the lighthouse and they brought lanterns up there to try to signal to the ship like how far the the ship was from the rock because the ship clearly couldn't see them and then these men just kind of like brace themselves for this ship just going to come hit the rock. And all of a sudden, the ship makes this nearly impossible turn. It like does that like Pirates of the Caribbean turn into the weird <laughs> underground Cyclone underworld thing. of the sea. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it disappears into the thick fog. So all of the men on the, on the rock are like, oh, my God, sigh of relief. Thank God. Wait. We ghost ship or just crazy no it was real it was a real ship and then so they all go to bed and the next morning they wake to see all these like the ship was just completely destroyed it had i think it had taken the turn way too sharp and it had gotten hit by a wave in the turn and capsized and gotten destroyed and all there's no winning it's like i know they either smash into the rock or die and die or they try to turn and get capsized and die yeah, I almost wonder if crashing into the rock, some of them may have survived because at least there were other people there who could have helped. Perhaps. But so all 16 men or all of the crew, their bodies washed up sh- to shore and they were all dead. The only survivor was the crew's dog. <gasps> oh. I knew you would like that part. <laughs> <laughs> One beacon of hope. It's not the lighthouse. It's the dog surviving. Um so the accident did very little to prevent the completion and official opening of the lighthouse. And the lighthouse opened on January 21st of 1881. 
and finally an operation. And at that time, it was the most expensive West Coast lighthouse ever built. It was also the most dangerous. I said that. I don't think that. I don't know that that's true, but I imagine it was. It's it's our podcast. We can say what we want. Yeah. I, I like to add a little touch to flair, my personal flair. Um, <laughs> By I lying. At, <laughs> I worked at TGI Fridays. We got flair all the time. So it's part of who I am. You worked at TGI Fridays? <laughs> yes. How did you never share this with me? Can you send me your resume? I want your high school resume. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a lot of restaurants, but TGI Fridays was probably the best. Can you guess where we'd go for after work drinks? Applebee's. Oh, I was going to say, well, it's not TGI Fridays if you asked <laughs> no, no, no. me. Applebee's. Good times. Good. Yeah, so then... Due to erratic weather conditions and the dangerous commute for both the keepers and suppliers, the lighthouse was then named Terrible Tilly. And during the years of operation, like I said, the storms would constantly rip out the foundation of the lighthouse. And so like people would have to keep coming back to fix it. And they had to like rebuild some of it just to make it stronger. And now imagine if you had to live there. I don't. When I picture living on an island, I picture it being tropical. I picture it being <laughs> large. A picture sunny no waves it's dolphins always calm and beautiful and mm. i live in a cove you're gonna live in a cove i'm gonna live in the cove you're gonna call it the coconut cove yes sabrina yes <laughs> and the pigs will be there all of them will <laughs> corinne and her pigs in coconut cove i want to see a photo of that i'll draw it for you when i'm you won't be able done to tell this. the difference between me and the pigs <laughs> we Shut have up. the same body type and i won't be wearing clothes if i live on an island so and you're gonna start work- walking on all fours yeah and then i'm never gonna shave and so just like the pigs who <laughs> get their hair in the winter i too will become a boar i love it i love it so much <laughs> okay the great thing though is that we're both women and i mean if we were living in the 1880s we would never have had this job so there were people who lived in this lighthouse their official job title was lighthouse operators or lighthouse keepers. And they lived in, there were four of them. Four keepers at all time had to be on this rock in the lighthouse. And they lived in an 80 by 45 foot building. It's not that big for all four people. There were these four men, four keepers at all time in this, on this less than an acre rock. And if you look at pictures of it, it's gorgeous it's the most beautiful thing because it's literally out in the middle of the ocean and it like the waves crash up on it and on a beautiful sunny day it looks stunning Mm -hmm. but living there in the stormy nights when the fog horns would constantly blare and this light would constantly going on and they would hear ghostly cries through the night Oh, and then, okay, so they were forbidden from bringing their families. They had to be there by themselves, and they would That's have to- That's just mean, but also maybe that benefited the family, because at least they didn't go mad. Right. No, they. it's probably for the best. But, um, okay, yeah, they would bunker down with six months of supplies, and they would stay on the island for that long. Like So, like, they hardly left, if ever. And But they only had to do six months shifts? Uh, they changed, so it was, like, at, um, let's see. At any given point in time, there were four keepers on the rock, and they would spend three months on and then two weeks off. But because the conditions became so mentally and physically trying, they had to change Mm -hmm. it, and the rotation was changed to 42 days on and 21 days off. And 
Albert Roeder, the first head keeper, and this is why that, that changed because the very first head keeper didn't even last four months on the rock before he resigned saying that too much of the sad sea did not agree with him. And when yeah. he returned to the mainland, people were like, oh, like he's just a little shell shocked. He'll come out of it. He'll get return back to normal. But he became a hermit and like never left his house, never spoke to anyone oh, ever again so after sad. that. So yeah, when you were saying how many days they spend on and how many days they spend off, it's like, it seems like a lot of days off, but the whole time I was thinking, like, you probably use up all that time just trying to mentally recover from yeah. the days on. And then you have to just go right back. Yeah. The dread and anxiety of being shipped mm-hmm. back out there. I can only imagine. Yeah. And it was like, it was such a thing in this town because anytime a keeper would show any sign of mental instability, they were immediately transferred from the rock and the local newspapers like ate this up. They were like, this is the hot buzz. Like, this is the story to run. And so like all of these rumors would be passed around. There was, oh yeah, one paper reported that a keeper whose last name was Borling was quickly removed from his post after trying to kill the head keeper by putting ground glass in his food. Just... Was it due to insanity? Like, did he know what he was doing or? It's not clear in my mind. What I imagine is that he had like convinced himself that maybe the head keeper was trying to kill him. And so he was like trying to kill him back. And I imagine, I mean, oh God, I can write a story about this, but like, just like the places your mind would go if you're alone with four men. What if you didn't get along with one of them? That would just become so exaggerated over time that i'm sure you would believe that they were trying to kill you yeah or just what if the head keeper not to disparage him in any way but what if maybe he would say sort of like cutting remarks to the person and because he's so alone it is those emotions are heightened and he just couldn't take it anymore so he attacked him it's there's so many possibilities yeah yeah um there was the fourth assistant keeper, his name was Charles Justin. He was removed from the rock in August of 1906 because he was suffer- suffering from extreme nervousness and people feared that he would become mentally deranged. And it's also rumored that he couldn't sleep at night because he kept hearing a ghostly moaning. Like in his ear, a ghost would be whispering and moaning in his Ooh. ear at night. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um And then the only known death of a keeper at the lighthouse occurred on August 2nd of 1911 when the second assistant keeper, Thomas Jones, was painting the derrick and fell 35 feet onto the rocks. And it was like so bad. The rocks were sharp. It was a steep fall. Right. He he didn't die in his fall, but he sustained life-threatening injuries. And the fellow keepers carried him. like three stories. Yeah. Some people fall three stories and die. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine how much pain he was in then. So he's suffering. And so the other keepers carry him back up onto like the main flat land of the rock. And he just laid there in pain for hours until the steamer, the Elmore, which is a steamer that would travel back and forth between the land and there, came and offered to take Jones to the hospital. And he died shortly thereafter. And it's believed that one one of the ghosts of the rock is the ghost of Thomas Jones. And there are two ghosts that said that are said to reside at the rock. The first is that of Thomas Jones, who was said to have loved the lighthouse more than anything in the world, that he wanted to be buried there. He had said that like as he was living his whole life while working on the lighthouse, he was like, I want to be buried here. I love this area so much. 
And then he unfortunately ended up dying because of the injury he sustained there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like his ghost returned there. And now that's where he spends the rest of his eternity because he loved it I, so much. I wonder if when he was requesting to be buried there, if he had a belief that he could spend the afterlife there. And that's why he was so insistent on it, on being buried there. If that was his plan all along. I like that. But I also was thinking like, what if like it was a surprise to him? Like he died and he was taken away from the rock and he was like super bummed. But then he realized he was a spirit and he can go back. You can do whatever you want. You can go anywhere. You can you do can anything. You can do anything. You <laughs> Then there's the second spirit who is not so friendly and probably the ghost who's moaning and whispering in the middle of the night, keeping these keepers awake and terrifying them and causing them to have sleep deprivation and hallucinate and go mad on this rock. This is the ghost. And it, well, it's not sure because, you know, you never really can tell, but it's believed to be one of the ghost of one of the keepers who went mad on the island. And he, while working there, he was the head keeper and he would constantly threat the, threaten the other keepers that like, if anyone tried to take his job, he would kill them. And he got so wrapped up in this that the locals were like, okay, he needs to be taken off the island off the rock and so on the day that he was supposed to leave the new keeper arrived and he starts chasing the new keeper up the tower up the stairs up to the top of the lighthouse chasing him all the way up he like tries to grab the throat of the of the new keeper to like throw him down the stairs but the new keeper actually pushed him back making him fall all the way down to the bottom of the stairs but he just got right back up as if he had not even fallen down the stairs he got right back up and he starts storming back up the stairs after this man like wild like just like flinging his arms like his eyes were mad scary it's so scary and the rest of the keepers had to like hold him down he had to get taken off the island in a straight jacket that's how mad he went and so it's believed that when he passed away, he returned to the lighthouse to enact revenge on any future keepers. And it's been said that people, like the keepers who go up to the top of the lighthouse will feel like someone's trying to push them down the stairs and they believe it's him. Oh <laughs> my God. I know. I can't even imagine the fear of pushing someone down and watching them rise right back up like they're possessed. Yes, that's, it's so scary and they're coming after you and you're trapped on an island and you're like yeah. in a tower there's no at the to very go. top there's nowhere for you to go and i'm i i obviously haven't seen photos inside or i haven't been inside the lighthouse but i imagine these stairs are like the tiny spiral staircase that goes up you know is there an emergency escape ladder on the outside because what if there's a fire that starts at the base of the lighthouse and you're working at the top on the light I have what no idea. do you do? Okay. So is it is the lighthouse still operating? No, it's not operating anymore. It operated for 77 years and then became de- decommissioned. But lighthouse operators often saw a phantom ship just a few yards away from the rock. And there's a book called The Tillamook Rock. If anyone wants to read it, it's by James A. Gibbs, who served one year as a keeper on the rock in 1945, and he has all of these stories and experiences, and a few of them are ghost stories, and there's one story that goes that all four of the keepers, like, woke to, like, the sounds of their radio crackling, and it sounded like 
as if someone was trying to make communication with them or get in contact with them. And they look out and they Ooh. see less than a quarter of a mile out away from the sh- from the rock, they see the shape of a ship. And all of a sudden, it disappeared. And so it's like, ship. was it a ghost ship? And was there like a ghost trying to communicate with them through the radios? I don't know. But uh, locals to this day still report seeing this phantom ship during stormy nights. So maybe it is the Lupita, the ship that crashed before the lighthouse opened, that's kind of sailing these faint phantom sails so maybe they are still sailing as a crew a phantom ship i bet i bet so i feel like that happens we've talked about the ships before Mm -hmm. and it's such a thing that like crews stay whether it's actually the crews staying together in the afterlife and like continuing on with their sailing or if it's some sort of residual energy this stain on this area that keeps coming back we don't know we don't know but i don't know it's a it's a thing people see it and there's no ship really there so it must be a ghost ship and so like i said tillamook rock lighthouse operated for 77 years before being decommissioned in 1957 and then in a very great storytelling macabre twist in 1980 terrible tilly became a columbarium, which is a storage house for urns full of cremated human remains. So it's an island of ashy people. Yes. It's called, now called, or was called Eternity at Sea. And interested parties could have their ashes placed inside the lighthouse with prices varying from $1,000 for a place in like the Derrick room, Derrick room, and then to $5,000 for a prime spot in the lantern room, which is where the light would come from. And isn't it a little odd that we pay money f- to have like placements in certain areas, like ranking placements when we're already yep. dead? Yeah, but it's a nice place for your family to go and pay their respects or say hello to you and spend time with you still. I guess. But so like this this project was made with the idea of having a few hundred thousand remains in the lighthouse, but in 1999, the Oregon Mortuary and Cemetery Board took away its license because they were not good at record keeping and they were storing the urns improperly. And so now there are 30 urns that have been placed in the lighthouse to this date. And those are the only 30 that will ever be there because it was closed down in 1999. And apparently vandals reached the island at some point and stole two of the urns and no one's ever been able to trace them. It's like, who steals urns that's so yeah what are you trying to do with that urn (laughs) bathe in cremated ash like what that's really bizarre it's so weird and also like why would you risk going to this terrible tilly which is like the most dangerous place you could possibly steal ashes from why not go to your local cemetery it's probably easier i know there are bodies literally everywhere (laughs) (laughs) everywhere in my closet they're there find them take them but yeah, so although the lighthouse is closed, people report seeing a ghostly glow from the lamp room of the deserted lighthouse, and others report seeing a ghostly apparition who walks up and down the stairs to the tower. So maybe it's the ghost of Thomas Jones, who was the head keeper. Who knows? But with no more living human inhabitants, Tillamook Rock Lighthouse is now listed on the National Register of Historic Places. 
It's part of the Oregon Islands National Wildlife Refuge and can be seen from Seaside, Cannon Beach, or Ecola State Park. And uh, it's very difficult to access it via a boat, but they have chartered helicopters that fly over it. And you have to acquire permission before going on the island if you wanted to because there are endangered endangered seabirds who nest on the island. Oh, that's precious. Mm-hmm. And that is the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse or Terrible Tilly. Terrible Tilly. Is Terrible Tilly also a name of like a character or something else? It just it might sounds be. so familiar. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking of Moaning Myrtle. Or maybe I'm thinking of Gilly from SNL. You're thinking of Moaning Myrtle? I don't know. What's maybe. gotten me into you? Have we switched bodies? It's because you don't bring up Harry Potter and you used to all the time. So now I feel like I have to fill the space with Harry Potter references. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm here for it. Wow, that's crazy. What a dangerous island. Who, who, I don't have to ask the question because we know people do it, but I would never go out there and be like, this seems like a good spot. Right. What did you pick? Okay. Well, surprise, surprise. I stayed in New England. (laughs) Oh my God, you did? No way. (laughs) Are you that shocked? I'm, but we're not in Portsmouth, and we're also not in Vermont. Okay, now you're really scaring me, Corinne. Who are you? We are in Bath, Maine. And Ooh. I really screwed myself over with this one because Maine has – if you thought Massachusetts towns were difficult to pronounce, Maine is like <laughs> times 1,000. So I'm going to do my best, but I'll probably pronounce things incorrectly. But we're going to – I'm going to try. Okay. That's fine. You know what? I probably messed up half the things I said, and it's fine. (laughs) Okay. I'm doing the Seguin Island Lighthouse, which is in Bath, Maine, and it's just south of the mouth of Kennebec River, and it's about three, two-ish, three miles off of the coast. The lighthouse is Maine's second oldest, and also the really cool thing about this lighthouse is that the light in the tower is a first order Fresnel lens, which what? is kind of like this. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh my God. <laughs> so it's cool because it's one of those like OG, it's like an OG light, like it's an original light. It's the only lighthouse in the state with this lens, and it's the only operational first order Fresnel lens north of Rhode Island. Uh, the tower is. Sorry, the actual light is nine feet high and it can shine 20 miles away. 20 miles? Yeah, it's one of like the strongest lights. But they need it to be strong because this lighthouse is in a super fogged in area and 30% of the days are foggy. So the light has to be super strong. And also the foghorn is super large because it has to be really really loud right oh my goodness it's also the highest of maine's lighthouses with the light sitting 180 feet above sea level so that doesn't mean that the actual the lighthouse isn't 180 feet tall but it's on this island at the peak of the rock and it's like a almost it's a hike it's like a mountain essentially of an island so the lighthouse sits on top so it's really high up in that 
in the air. It's an old island. It was established back in 1795 when George Washington was like, mm, approved. Let's build on that rock. <laughs> approved. <laughs> oh, good old GW. <laughs> Uh, the lighthouse was rebuilt in 1819 to make the tower stone instead of wood, which it originally was. And then it was rebuilt again in 1857 to add more cut stone and brick and also a lightkeeper's quarters. The oh. building and the island are now managed by a nonprofit organization called Friends of the Seguin Island Lighthouse. And they turned the buildings that are on, there's a couple buildings on the island, and they turn them into museums. That's And cool. then the lighthouse and the foghorn are cared for by the U.S. Coast Guard. It is open seasonally. So it's usually from like June to Labor Day. So you can actually go over onto the island and check it out and visit the museum and see some ghosts. And I bet you, sorry, before we get to the ghosts. Yeah, there is something about a sunset with a lighthouse that is one of the most beautiful things. And based on its location, I am sure it has the most beautiful sunsets. Oh, yes. It sunsets on the west, though. So it would... Sunrise. It would, the sunrise would be amazing. The but it's an island, would right? Over. Yeah, it's an island, but the sun is still setting over land. So it would be like kind of like mountains. It would be like ocean and mountains. and It's probably still pretty. It's Oh, my gosh. Very, very pretty. But it's not the same as the sunsets you see in california that's just over the ocean if that's what you're picturing i'm just picturing a pretty lighthouse with the sunset <laughs> in the background <laughs> it is there is this beach in new jersey called sunset beach and it does sun set over the ocean and it is the most gorgeous thing interesting mm -hmm. it's how in does it do that cape may you learn something new every day okay ghosts okay so Surprise, surprise, the lighthouse and the island are haunted. So let's start by meeting the old captain. The old captain Ooh. was the first ever keeper for the lighthouse, and he was named, and this name I'm going to butcher, his first <laughs> name is John. I know how to say that, but I cannot say Paul, Pollard, uh, <laughs> Pollardsky, C-Z-K-Y are the last Four letters together. Oh, he was Hungarian. I wrote that next. He was actually Hungarian nobility. He Ooh. came from a long line of nobles. And um, he didn't grow up in Hungary, though. He grew up in France. And then he eventually made his way to Dresden, Maine, where he worked for 25 years as the town clerk. But then he applied for the lightkeeper job and he got it. So he moved out to the island. But his salary was like hardly anything and it really wasn't enough for him to be able to sustain life on the island and he was so exposed to the conditions and the elements and it was just a horrible job yeah. and so he was always asking for a raise but he never got one what the heck i know isn't it a government job too so like you would think that they had him set up nicely but well i think government jobs don't pay that much it's just about like your retirement and retirement yeah he did have a bit of company for some time because his brother-in-law moved out there to assist him and brought his family with him. So for some time, he had some company. But eventually, his brother-in-law was like, okay, we're leaving the island. I think they <laughs> they were like having a baby or something. So they're like, we got to go. They're like, we can't do this anymore. We need to leave this shithole. <laughs> no, it's actually super pretty. But also, I would never – I wouldn't do well in isolation. So I understand why people don't want to Yeah, being do it. alone is – I do it for a day and I start to lose my mind. Yeah. It's beyond being alone. It's it's being alone and also being trapped. Yeah. Cabin you know? fever. Yeah. It's not just like you're 
alone in the woods and if you hike three miles yeah. you can be by civilization it's like when the three miles are an ocean between you it's not as simple yikes scary john spent eight years as the keeper before he ended up passing away penniless on the island and his spirit oh. has been nicknamed the old captain and he's been seen climbing the staircase of the tower so i he's love when still out there i like to think that as terribly as they paid he enjoyed the job and that's why he's still there. I hope so. Or maybe he's still waiting on that raise. <laughs> <laughs> he's never going to get it. I'm sorry. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But he definitely won't because the lighthouse is like out of commission now. So <laughs> Maybe he like takes him. people's money when they come to visit at the museum. He pickpockets them and it's like people get home and they're like, I swear I had $20 today. Oh, nope. yeah. $20. The captain has it now. The old captain stole it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's another story, and this one's the super popular one that's attached to this lighthouse. A lighthouse keeper just had gotten married, and him and his wife, the two of them moved out to the island to care for the lighthouse, and his wife was just super bored, unsurprisingly. <laughs> she started to get a little depressed, and the weather started to get cold, and they were like, oh, we're going to be landlocked in the winter because it's going to ice over, and it's not going to be so easy. I mean... It's the ocean, so it doesn't, like, actually right. get, like, icebergs or anything. It's not completely frozen like a pond, but it's right. not – back in the day, you couldn't just easily take a boat to land. There were right. no ferries with those chopper things. So the weather was getting colder, and he was like, I need to be a good husband, and I need to find something to pass the time for my wife. So he arranged to have a piano shipped out to their home before it got too cold, before the winter got too bad. So – a piano came and it arrived and she was so thrilled. His wife was thrilled to have it. The piano came with a single song of sheet music. So she began practicing that song. And what the lighthouse keeper did not realize at the time was that his wife would practice and practice and practice that song. Ooh. One single song on repeat on a secluded island no. with no one else around. That is horrifying. That is straight out of a horror yeah. movie. Or also when your kids get a recorder and then they, they're like, look, mom, I can play. Literally. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I, don't, I can't <laughs> even go through that. I was about to start talking about it, but then I really it hit me. Yeah. So, oh, but God. That, now I under I totally understand why parents like throw out toys and they're like, I must have been I lost. Don't know where I don't know where you put it. The ghost took it. <laughs> the ghost took it. Well, so he was like, okay, this is driving me mad. <laughs> and he suggested that she find a new song. And his wife was like, I'm totally happy with this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you pulled a Jack Nicholson in The Shining and he went crazy and he grabbed an axe and he completely axed the piano. And oh, my God. Okay. It. Just the piano, though, right? And then he axed his wife. <gasps> no. And then when he realized what he did, he took his own life. That is straight up out of The Shining. It's The Shining. Whoa. But on the island. <gasps> on Seguin Island. Okay, you really threw me off with starting with the piano. I was like, oh, good. It's just the piano. Just the piano. <sighs> no, he axed her and then he took his own life. And it's his ghost that has been spotted in the house from time to time. And people have also reported seeing him walking around the island grounds. And some say that he has an axe in his hand. 
Nope. His wife is presumably there as well because piano music can be heard on the island. And when the winds are just right and the water is completely still, passing boats will catch a few notes as well. But most of the people that like go onto the island and keepers on the island will say that they hear distant piano music coming oh from the lighthouse area. Wow. I also I watched plenty of videos and YouTube interviews and whatnot on this island and there was an interview with this old woman and she had actually lived on the island for some time with her husband and she was like we made a life for ourselves it was so great like she had a great experience she really enjoyed it out there oh wow but she said that the life was not for most people and that she actually knew another woman who spent time out there and went so mad living in isolation that she ended up having to be submitted to an asylum for some time. Ugh. That's so, so sad. it really messes with people's minds. Yeah. And it made me think a lot about solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And I really wonder if that teaches people lessons or if it just drives people to become way worse. There uh, is also a spirit of a small child, a, a young child, a little girl. She's seen running around. She's seen playing and having fun. She's usually laughing and she actually like waves at visitors and she's just really enjoying herself. Do we know who she is? Well, it's believed that she had actually lived, that her family lived on the island, but she became ill and she died and her body they think is buried somewhere close by to the lighthouse. Um, and, And also people, so like she's generally, her spirit's seen as like generally being happy and having fun. But some people have also seen her like running around through the gardens and then she'll like stop and start coughing as if she's really sick. <sighs> so it's believed that she was sick and she passed away and now her spirit's still sick, still there and still having a little cough. Could you imagine? That's a very sad story. But could you imagine being so sick that when you die, you're still that sick and you still feel all that pain and you still have the symptoms of like a cold or whatever the illness was. Yeah. Or I wonder if, because we've talked about how spirits can almost, maybe some can choose like the happiest time of their life or whatever and come back as that. Like people who pass away that are 80 will sometimes present themselves as like 50 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of choose. And I wonder if she was so happy playing and exploring on the island that even though she was sick, that was her happiest, best self. And so that's what she chose to be in. That's a much more positive way to look at it. And I like that, <laughs> that version better. Yeah. But so visitors will see her and she'll wave and smile at them. But also the lighthouse keepers see this little girl running through the gardens and across the island. So a lot of people have seen her. Wow. Um, there's also another spirit who's quite famous for spooking a uh, warrant officer. In 1987, the lighthouse was being decommissioned and a warrant officer went out to the island to grab the rest of the furniture from inside of the home and the lighthouse and whatever. Just taking things back because right. they were closed in shop. It was getting pretty late. And so he's like, you know what? Instead of boating back in the dark, which is creepy and a little dangerous, mm-hmm. I'll just spend the night here and I'll get up when it's daylight and I'll just return in the day. Which you think is kind of a smart choice, right? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. But during the night, he woke up to a a man wearing a full-on, like, raincoat, 
they were called like oil skins or something. And I had to Google what that term was because I didn't know. But basically, it's it's like those like full rain jackets, like those suits that they're like waterproof, heavy sort of suits that fishermen wear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what the guy was wearing. And interesting. So the man was just shaking his head at this officer and he said, don't take the furniture. Please leave my home alone. And the next day, the officer was like, whoa, that was a weird dream. All right, better get back to it and load up the furniture. And so he goes and he puts all of the furniture in the boat and he starts to lower the boat from the dock into the water. And the boat just straight up sinks. It shouldn't have sank, but it did. So I guess I guess this ghost was like, I'd rather my furniture just be in the sea. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. But it's he so sad. Said he sank the ship. Please leave my home alone. He said, please. He said, that's please. true. He did say, please. Please leave my home alone. Yeah, nicely. So the furniture is now in the ocean, but it's still, I guess, technically in the island vicinity. Wow. I just imagine him. I imagine this ghost like sitting on his furniture down on the bottom of the sea. Oh, my God. Do you can go underwater. Yeah. <gasps> Do you think there's a whole ghost colony of ghosts that are like, I want to be a ghost, but I'm sick of the land? Maybe. I Well, we've talked about this in the ship episode where we're like, I guarantee there's this whole ship underwater ghost world that exists for people who have lost their lives in at sea. I wonder if that's how mermaids were created. If there's just <gasps> ghosts that are like, I'd rather be in the ocean. <laughs> what? Plot twist. Plot twist. I believe in mermaids. I think Me they're real. Me too. Ugh. And speaking of mermaids and things that are a little different, a little cryptozoology kind of genre, uh-huh. a sea serpent was spotted in the area of this lighthouse. And in 1875, the captain and his crew reported that this giant sea serpent, it was massive, it was like 130 feet long, was just kind of like drifting, floating, occasionally lifting its head and observing but then what? it got a little curious and it swam over to the boat and it lifted no. its head up and it rested its head on the railing and observed the men on board until oh. someone hit it with a spear because they were like, I'm freaked out. You know, I understand. Although. Right. But it seems like a cute little resting kitty that's just like just watching. I know because we're not the ones on the boat. So we can be like, oh, it was just curious. But if 130 foot long like snake comes up to you and just starts staring at you wouldn't you think holy shit <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> eat flight. me yeah so they maybe they stab it with the spear and then the thing went back into the water i um, like that you did a body slither <laughs> i did <laughs> i did the worm in the air and then uh so the spear actually still had some of the flesh of the creature on it so the crew and the captain were like we need to get to land and tell everyone and show everyone so that's exactly what they did and i don't think that they've seen the serpent again but there are plenty of other areas in maine and some um like rivers that are known for some sea serpents so maybe it's the same one i mean if i was at sea serpent and i just got stabbed i'd be like i'm never showing my face again i just wanted to hang and you tried to kill me. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to go back under sea. I mean, there are creatures under the sea that I feel like um, they found a shark that was like 471 years old. Yeah, or, it's because it's smarter than us. It's smarter yeah. than you. So 
we don't know how old that sea serpent is. No, and it's like less than large. We don't know their intelligence level. They could be like, guys, I just saw a bunch of people on a, on some. <laughs> I just saw a bunch of moving things on another moving thing, and I went up and they stabbed me. And so all the other little serpents are like, oh shit, we're never gonna go near that. We don't want to see moving things on moving things, right? Because they don't know there were people on boats. <laughs> or maybe they do and they're aliens and they came to study us. You know what always made, like, what I still think about? Someone, I saw it on, like, Instagram or something that was like, we named our dog. So that our dogs, our animals, our pets know their name. But what did they name us? Oh, my God. <laughs> Back to Seguin Island, Seguin Lighthouse. The caretakers on the island have heard and seen many strange things that they all believe to be paranormal activity. Inside the house, the caretakers will notice that items will be moved here and there, and some have even witnessed that objects are, like, being knocked from the shelves. Like, they've physically, like, seen things being thrown off of the shelves. Whoa. Other items will disappear altogether, and then they'll just reappear sometime later, and there's no rhyme or reason to how long they go missing or when they reappear or anything like that. And then cold spots pop up throughout and doors will open and close on their own. Furniture is rearranged. And then like, so someone will come home and or like walk into the house and furniture will be re- rearranged and they'll be like, this is super weird. And then the next day it'll be put back or like rearranged again. Super weird. There's also phantom coughing, which might be the little girl or it's also cold and wet and rainy and foggy and you're on the island and you're working like crazy so right perhaps i'm sure people got sick all the time there's also piano music like i mentioned before so all of these sightings of spirits are really not uncommon and you can totally go and see this place for yourself the island is open in the summertime you can take a boat out there they also have helicopter tours and you can explore the grounds you can check out the museum and you can hike around because it's really hilly. And to get to the mm-hmm. lighthouse, you have to hike up the like 180 feet or whatever. So it's not easy. Don't take <laughs> someone who can't do it. Just ride your sea serpent. Ride the sea serpent up to the lighthouse. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, <laughs> the sea serpent is like 130 feet long. So it could probably get you almost all the way there. Yeah. Here you go. Sit on the head and then or like on the tail and it flips you up. <laughs> And you land gracefully at the top of the lighthouse. It can flick you up with its head into the air and then with its tail just smack you forward like a <laughs> ping pong. And it doesn't ping hurt. It ball. feels really nice and you land very gracefully. You land right on your feet and you just yep. walk right up to that lighthouse and you say, hello, Mr. Lighthouse. How are you doing today? <laughs> hello, And all Captain. the ghosts will pop out and say, oh, hello, and <laughs> greet you and make you tea and play you piano songs. And then the sea serpent is sitting out bobbing its head listening to the music. And then it says, bye, buddy. <laughs> Hope you find your dad. <laughs> oh. Okay. If you don't want to get out of the boat, <laughs> there are tours the boat around the island. So you don't actually have to step foot on the boat. I mean, on the island. <laughs> but if you are brave enough, you can spend the night there. <gasps> what? Yeah, you can pay some sort of like membership fee, some sort of like donation to the island that allows you to spend the night in the guest quarters or in the keeper's house. So depending on how much you pay you can sp- or how many people are in your party, you can spend the night in either of those. It's a little bit like camping because it's a charcoal grill for cooking and it's outside. 
There mm-hmm. is an outhouse. There's also there's also bathroom inside with running water. So I wouldn't lose my mind too much. <laughs> but there there's also like the outhouse and you can't cook indoors. But you can also legitimately camp on the island. There's like campgrounds with like little picnic tables and stuff. Well, no way. That's fun. And if you're like, oh, I'm so tempted to go, but I'm never going to be in Maine. Or you're just not wanting to go at all, but you're curious about what it looks like. You should watch this video that I watched. It's 30 minutes long. (laughs) It is by Haunt. It's Haunt Me, but like M-E for like Maine, Uh you know, get it? Clever. I get it. (laughs) Ha ha ha. And it's a team of Maine-based paranormal investigators. They go around and they explore different haunted sites in Maine. And so they went here to this lighthouse and they spent the night and quite a few things happened. And spoiler alert, in case you don't want to watch the 30-minute video, uh, here's what happened (laughs) in their time there. The K2 (laughs) monitor lit up and it was moving from one person to another. So it was like as if the spirit was walking past the wall, kind of like going in a circle, checking them all out. It's like the sea serpent. The sea serpent. And they also heard knocking. They heard a pop sound. There was coughing. There were footsteps. And what sounded like either keys or like a piano. Ooh. And also, so at at one point, all of the men in the group went outside and were exploring outside like during the night. And the women were inside of the lighthouse trying to get some sort of response from the spirits. And both the guys outside and the women inside this is all like on tape it's on video Mm -hmm. they all smelled the wafts of this like spicy like musky sort of florally perfume what yeah so something was like checking out the guys and then went inside and checked out the girls no way yeah and then one team member ty was actually touched something or someone grabbed the back of his jacket just like give a little pinch to the fabric and tugged it a bit so that is yeah they totally had experiences but also you should just watch the video or any videos of seguin lighthouse um because you get to see the island and it's super pretty and kind of see like the rooms and the buildings and the museum and stuff but yeah that is the haunting of the seguin island lighthouse in maine wow I love that that group saw and experienced almost every single ghost, if not all of them, the ones that you told me that are there. Yeah, they didn't physically see anything, but they experienced experienced them. Yeah, almost everything. That's wild. Would you ever stay the night there? No. <laughs> okay, I have a listener story for you. Okay, and we don't have really like we didn't really have lighthouse stories, so yeah. this is ocean mixed with like. The light of a saving ghost. Okay. Okay. So this is from Lex. And she says, my dad always gets rescued by dead people. Guardian angels? Question. Oh, my God. I love this. <laughs> hey, ladies. So ever since, ever since I was little, my dad and uncle have told my sister and I stories of the crazy situations they got themselves into when they were young. And they always mention the frequency in which they experience paranormal entities. I'll include the three stories that are most familiar to me. And then the next time I get them drunk enough to go off again, I'll update you with the rest. LOL. Love when parents spill their juicy stories when they have a few glasses of any mixed alcohol. <laughs> or it doesn't have to be mixed. It could just straight up be beer. Some people are lightweights. <coughs> right. Mom. I don't know why I said mixed alcohol. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> it's not like I'm mixing 
It's not like I'm mixing red wine and like biscuit together. That sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So the first one to pop in my mind is this one. My dad and uncle went to school in North Carolina. One day they decided to go to the beach with some friends. While they were there, it became really overcast and the water became really turbulent. And a storm was clearly imminent. Not giving a shit, they stayed in the ocean and soon they noticed themselves being pulled further and further into the water. Before they knew it, they were too far out and were getting tired. No matter how hard they tried to swim back in, the water was so turbulent that all the effort that they had was futile. They describe it as a moment where they both looked at each other and basically realized they were fucked. My uncle, who was about 10 feet closer to the shore, looked at my dad and realized that he was simply too tired to try to get my dad, and if he swam further out to try to pull him back to shore, they would both drown. They both say that at the same time, they thought of my mom-mom, who wouldn't be able to handle both of her sons dying at the same time. He looked at my dad and said he was sorry, but he had to go in. So my dad was left alone in the water, trying hard to float on his back and reserve his energy, treading when he had to, but mostly trying to keep his head above the water. As soon as my uncle gets back to shore, he starts screaming for someone to help that his brother was out in the ocean and couldn't get back in. Of course, everyone stared at him, no one wanting to help. Oh, it makes me mad. Then out of nowhere, this man, whom whom my dad and uncle both describe as looking like a hippie Jesus, comes out of the dunes, pulls an inner tube out from under a laying man, a man laying on the beach, and runs knee-deep into the water. Next thing my uncle knows, the tube is underneath my dad, and he's pulling my dad to shore. The way my dad describes it is what makes us think it's paranormal. He said that the man was knee-deep in the water and stretches the tube out to my dad. My dad says that he felt like the man was pulling him towards him with his mind. Never did the man go further than a few feet into the water, but it felt like he was manipulating the current to pull my dad toward him. One second he was there, 40 to 50 feet between them, and the next thing he knew, he had been sucked toward the tube until it was within his reach. Oh my god, is this like witch and warlock, do you think? Do you think that guy was magic? Uh, Maybe, or maybe it was Jesus. I don't know. He then pulled my dad onto shore and my uncle ran over. They both hugged because they really thought my dad was going to die out there. They turned around to thank the man, but the man was gone. Never once had he said a single word, and to this day they both insist that it was my dad's guardian angel that came out to save him. A few years later, my dad and the same uncle decided to go on a cross-country motorcycle trip from Pennsylvania out to California. And they were gone for about six months, and at one point they stopped in Texas to recuperate and make some money to continue their journey. One weekend, they decided to go tubing along a river. river. When they were renting their tubes, the owner warned them to stay on the path and to be careful. My dad and my uncle, being adrenaline junkies, didn't need his advice at all, of course. When they were tubing, they saw a warning sign that said they were... There were rough waters down a certain part of the route. And of course, they took that way. They were laughing and having a good time when suddenly they realized they were coming up on a waterfall. They realized this too late and were not able to paddle out of its way. Both of them got separated and went over and fell for what must have been 30 feet. My (laughs) uncle describes falling to the bottom of the waterfall and getting caught in the undertow, spinning in circles until he was unable to figure out which way was up. He was running out of air when all of a sudden a voice, not his conscience, a real voice, yelled inside of his head, push down. He pushed his feet down and he must have kicked out of the current because he was suddenly spit out of the undertow. While this was happening, my dad, of course, had been screaming for his little brother, sure that he had drowned. My dad claims that an unfamiliar voice in his head, also not his own voice or conscience, told him that his brother was fine. Eventually, they were reunited and after they regained their bearings, they looked to the shore and saw three teenagers standing on a rock. One girl, two boys, all of them staring at them. To this day, my dad and uncle are able to 
able to describe what each of them looked like, the way that they were standing, what they were wearing. My dad and uncle yelled for them for help, but they just stared at my dad and uncle. Finally, one yelled over, you should have been more careful. People have died falling down here, you know? My dad and uncle, thinking those people were just weirdos or assholes for not seeming to care enough to help them out, tried to get out of the water on their own. The next time they looked over, the teenagers were gone. When trying to find their way back to the man who rented them their tubes, they walked by the rock they had seen the people on, only to see no footprints in the mud or traces of them anywhere. On their walk back, they did not run into another soul. Once they got back to the man and explained to him why they didn't have the tubes to return, the man flipped out and yelled at them about how dangerous it was, saying that there were signs there for a reason, and that three teenagers had just died there recently doing the exact same thing. Oh my god, I was going to say, do you think it was people (laughs) who had died there before? (gasps) Uh Uh-huh. Oh my body! I know. When my dad and uncle pushed him on it, he pulled out a newspaper and showed them the obituaries, and they were shocked. The pictures were of the kids that they had seen on the rock, clear as day. Holy crap. To this day, my dad and uncle swear that these stories and all of their other ones are true, and I believe them without a doubt. My uncle is extremely spiritual, and he believes that that every time there were angels looking out for them since it was not yet their time. As my dad and uncle were both adrenaline seekers who constantly put themselves in sketchy situations. My dad is much less spiritual and more of a skeptical believer in the paranormal, but he is convinced that there are for sure people on the other side looking out for him, wherever that may be, and he sees these stories as proof. I wish I could tell you the rest of their many stories as well as their experiences I have had, but there's simply not enough room I hope this makes sense. I hope I'm not forgetting any details. I love the podcast and love you ladies. Give Leia a kiss on the nose for me, Lex. A kiss on the nose. Holy crap. Her right? dad is the luckiest person I've ever met. Yeah. Well, I haven't met him, but, <laughs> but I've never heard about because he's getting saved by ghosts left and right. Yeah. It's not even the same ghost. And he keeps putting himself in those positions. And it's always water. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if it's the same spirit because the voice that I, I almost feel like the voice they heard was different from the spirits they saw hmm. in that second situation. Like what if it's the voice of the spirit who may have saved them, him the first time in the ocean. And was like looking out for him the second time, but those other, maybe those mm-hmm. other teens saved or I, yeah. Oh, I don't know. What if, what if those three teenage ghosts were just there Mm -hmm. on the shore and that he was actually saved by his guardian angel again right and he was surrounded by four spirits all at once Ooh, outnumbered or lucky to have that many spirits around him it's so the the first story of the man coming out of the dunes it really makes me think of like a weird figure just coming out of the sand weeds without saying anything just like rushes into the water it, it just picture it so clearly and it's such an odd like that doesn't happen yeah yeah i don't really i don't really know what to say because <laughs> it's so unfathomable it's yeah like, and it, it would have been one thing if it was the guy was like on the beach and then like got up and tried to help but he came out of the dunes which is not normal it when you were first saying it too it remi- it made me think like what if her dad is one of those marked people for alien abductions and doesn't realize that he's being studied? And there are all these aliens that are like in disguise as people making sure that their test subjects for their longitudinal study don't do anything stupid and die. How, where do I sign up? Apparently I signed up for the <laughs> Illuminati and where do I sign up for this? 
Yeah, but they got your name wrong, unfortunately. (laughs) Someone put me on that subscription list, please. Right. Yeah, I know. And then I was going to say the same thing about like, oh, the three kids must have. At first, I was like, oh, maybe they're the aliens, too, like those three kids. But then when you said that there were no footprints, I was like, okay, maybe these people had been there and passed away there before. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, but it makes me believe in magic, that one story about (laughs) the guy coming out of the dunes i'm not i'm not convinced that he's not i'm not convinced that he's a ghost and that he's not a ghost you know like very well could be a ghost but also part of me really wants to believe that he's like a warlock he could also be a sea monster who has the ability to disguise himself as a human wow is that why we don't see sea monsters maybe maybe it's a merman walking (gasps) among us what they only go into the water every 50 years to recharge (laughs) could have been a merman too could have been a merman. Well, no. so I don't have a story about a lighthouse. And I don't have one about an ocean, but I do have one about Maine. Oh, great. This is from Marion. It's called Protector of the House. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I recently started listening to your podcast and am obsessed. I grew up in Maine in a house that was built in the late 1700s and was at one point part of the Underground Railroad. So needless to say, my ghost and spirit experiences are a little ridiculous. Anyways, I wanted to email you guys a story about a visitation dream I had. So for a large part of last year, my sister's boyfriend was battling leukemia and unfortunately lost his battle to it in early September. Around that time, another one of my sisters and her husband were in the process of purchasing a house right down the street from the house that we grew up in. They were kind of on the fence on if they wanted to get the house or not, just because it was a fixer-upper and it was older. And keep in mind, my sister's boyfriend never got a chance to see the house before he passed away, but it didn't stop him from giving us a sign that they need to have the house. About two weeks after his passing, I had the most vivid dream I think I've ever had. And the dream was of me walking through the house. And in my dream, they had already purchased it and they were about to move in. And as I was walking through the house, I saw my sister's boyfriend and his dog. And I remember thinking, that's super weird that he was there. And then I was like, Ian, what are you doing here? And him being a carpenter and all and an all-around great guy in general responded with, I'm making sure the house is ready for Grace, Ryan, and Sloan to move in. Oh, my God. He was perfectly healthy and happy. And in that moment, as cheesy as it sounds, I knew it was a sign for him saying, I'm okay, I'm happy, and I'm in a better place. And after that, I immediately told my sister and her husband, and they said, well, we have to buy that house now because Ian is already there waiting for us. So in the end, my sister and her husband bought the house and we all got confirmation that he is at peace. She said, so far from what I've heard, it's just been me and my sister. We're all very open to the paranormal and have had experiences. As my boyfriend likes to put it, everyone from New England just thinks everyone is haunted. (laughs) Yeah, because it is. (laughs) My sister's just recently texted me saying that the dog that they shared sprung out of bed extremely quickly like someone was calling for him and he just ran straight to the corner of the room and stood there staring for about 20 minutes wagging Whoa. his tail and barking <laughs> but it she, seems like happy like wagging know, his tail still, cute and happy to the corner of the room <laughs> not even to the door like the room corner <laughs> yeah 
She was extremely freaked out at first and was confused because her dog is very lazy and doesn't <laughs> jump out of bed that quickly ever. She also heard things fall randomly and move around. Um, as for the house we grew up in, it was part of the Underground Railroad as well as a bed and breakfast at one point. So there was a bunch of spirit activity. One of my sisters seemed to be the one that the spirit was really attached to. And she would always hear kids playing around in the attic. No. And none of us wanted to go into the attic. <laughs> and she would see our great-great-grandmother watching over her when she was younger. Uh. And when she would start crying, our parents would come in and say, and she would say, oh, the lady went away. <laughs> Obviously freaked out. My parents said, what lady? The one with the long braid. She went behind the door. Oh. And that's when my parents were like, "Um, okay, honey, let's go to bed now. She would occasionally make herself known throughout. And there was also a little girl that we actually had a picture of in the house. What the Aww. fuck? Why would our parents keep that? <laughs> I love how I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. Actually, no, I don't. I don't know. I do, but not right now because it's night. I mean, it's almost like sometimes it's better to keep those things because like what if you got rid of it and then the spirit got angry? Right. <sighs> yeah, because they, they wanted to be seen and they wanted to be a part of the family photo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom would always see the little girl washing her from the corner of her eye whenever oh she was home alone. And just before we moved out of the house, my mom had a friend over. And as soon as she left, she said she kept thinking that someone was following her. And she just felt very uneasy. And as she pulled into her own driveway, she looked back and one of the spirits from our house actually did follow her back home and was in her back seat. No. What the actual fuck? That's nightmare inducing. Oh my you god. Look into your rearview mirror. Oh my god, that is literally my worst nightmare. At least it was like a little girl and not like a man with a knife. Holy shit. What do you do? Do you ignore <laughs> it or do you stop the car? Do you turn around? I mean, oh. she had pulled into her driveway, so like she could get the F out of there and just like close her doors and be like, Nope. <laughs> not today, honey. <laughs> go home. Go go home. Go, but it, go to the it's other also sweet. House. It's also sweet because that little girl goes clearly liked this woman. And that's why she got in the backseat of her car and was like, Mama. I know. And she, it's so innocent, too. It's like little kids like, I'm playing a prank. Like, isn't it funny if I get into the car mm -hmm. and she doesn't notice me? Like, it's total little kid prank. Ugh. Uh, we moved out once our parents sold the house and started building a new one. And I ended up dating a guy that lives in that house now when I was in high school for a hot minute. And every time I would go to his house, I was like, how are you not experiencing any of the shit we experienced? <laughs> <laughs> they even renovated the attic as their playroom slash TV room. And keep in mind, the attic had multiple small rooms throughout that had some random creepy things in it. So nope. when they renovated, they kept all the rooms as closets and I refused every time to go in them. And he thought I was crazy. Um, crazy or smart? <laughs> <laughs> smart. Smart. I live in Brooklyn now, and I still feel like there are spirits everywhere. I told my boyfriend that I know that there's a spirit in our building, because I, but I refuse to tell our roommate for fear that she'll move out. <laughs> <laughs> One last story I do have is that in the apartment my sisters and I shared in Williamsburg, we had a corner apartment, and when I was walking home one day, I was across the street to where our kitchen windows were, and I saw someone pop their head out and pop back in. I was like, well, that's fucking weird. Like, why would they do that? And so I went into the apartment and asked, what are you guys doing? And they both looked at me with such a confused look, and then I was like, 
who just looked out the kitchen window saw me and then quickly popped back out of the window and they both had been sitting in the same spots that they were in for the past two hours they hadn't even been in the kitchen the entire night needless to say we all slept with our doors open and the lights on anyways (laughs) sorry for a long ass email (laughs) um see you on the other side marion so much to dissect it's uh, to me it seems like her family is just like very open to the paranormal that's why that her friend or ex-boyfriend in that house doesn't have those experiences i know it makes me wonder if similar to kind of my family how there are some resident ghosts we built our house so there's no reason any of the ghosts should be there and they're not attached to the land we know the family that's owned the land through generations right there's no explanation for the spirits in my home so it makes me wonder if her family is similar and that they just have some sort of energy that the spirits come in and can be seen and feel welcome and decide to stay (laughs) yeah it's like any other person like you can be around people and sometimes you get a bad get bad vibe from them and you're like well i don't want to hang out with you maybe ghosts feel that about us yeah actually my boss or my boss's boss just asked me that the other day he came in he likes to tease me about ghosts and he was like how do you know if a ghost is good or bad and i was like well when you're walking down a dark alley at night how do you know if the person approaching you is good or bad, you just get a vibe. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's true. And spirits get vibes from us. Yep. So put out some good vibes. Or bad vibes if you don't want ghosts, I guess. I don't know. I like that her family's very receptive to it. And like her sister even went through with purchasing a house that her and her husband were on the fence with because their other sister's late boyfriend was there like kind of gave a sign and was like the house is ready for you i love that story that's so sweet they're like we have to move into the house because he's waiting for us he like knew that that's where they were gonna move and he was like i'm gonna make myself comfortable there and i'll be able to talk to them and be with them that's sweet yeah, I would want to move in that house because I'd be like, well, I'm protected. You know, he's like right. looking over us. You have a good spirit watching over you. Yeah. He knows where we are and he's yeah. down. Yeah. But yeah, oh my gosh, all the other experiences are pretty wild. Like the lady just with the braid disappearing into the like closet. But it was their grandma, right? That's what she said. Yeah. Yeah, but still. I know. The way she's like, oh, she just went behind the door. I'd be like, I'm not opening that door dang kids i wonder if the dog when the dog would go into the corner if it was the the grandmother then the great great grandmother whoever it was but i think that was their new house so i think that was the spirit of uh ian well if it's if it's a relative or a loved one they can yeah. go with you in whatever home but i like to think that it was ian and the dog it was might just be happy ian. to see him that's true because the dog would have known ian yeah and was wagging his tail and was like yay Hey, Ian's home. That's my dog voice. Yay. Oh, my God. My roommate, Jill, has the funniest dog voice. It kills me. She goes, oh, look at you. Aren't oh, you my God. That's how she says it. People, when they talk to pets or babies, freak me out. They become. Everyone changes their voice. If you don't change your voice when you talk to an animal you're crazy i know but you sound crazy also like imagine take away the baby the pet whatever it is and just have you talking like that and you're you sound crazy 
Yeah. It's awesome. So true. I love it. Um, I'm trying to convince my roommate, Jill, to create a podcast. About what? Because she's in HR, and I want it to be called Jill from HR. And she she can just tell, like, these crazy stories about, like, what happens or, like, what mm-hmm. to do when these crazy things happen. She always says, and here we are. Like, at the end of a story, she I gets a little that. exasperated, and she goes, and here we are. And I was like, that's so perfect, because you could say, hi, this is Jill from HR. And here we are. I like that. Or even at the end. That's her sign off. It's just the, (sighs) and here we are. (laughs) So good. (sighs) Well, guys, here we are at the end of our episode. If you have any ghost stories, email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. The Facebook group has two questions. It's a private group, and you have to answer two questions to get in it. If you do not answer the questions, you will not get in. And we have some spectacular moderators who go through and make sure all of the posts are appropriate and there aren't too many repeats and stuff. So uh, thank you to them again, as always. And again, Arms Akimbo came out with a full-length version of our intro music, so go check it out. It's uh, pinned at the top of our Facebook page and on our social media and um remember we have a live show at the hollywood improv on january 13th tickets are all over our social media you can find the link and then also on our website we have itunes you can rate and review we also have merchandise you can buy stuff gift stuff and represent two girls Mm -hmm. on ghost and we have patreon so support us that way as well just join our pyramid scheme tell people about the podcast uh the only gift we want this holiday is that you tell everyone you know about our podcast. <laughs> and we will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side.